After an emotionally charged year, conversations about diversity, inclusion, and equity have taken center stage. But how can organizations embed this in their culture? Where do you start? I'm Gina DiPietro with Industry Insights, a healthcare podcast presented by Novant Health. This episode is packed full of interesting ideas from Novant Health's thought leader on the subject. First and foremost, Tanya Blackman, Novant Health Executive Vice President and Chief Diversity, Inclusion and Equity Officer, explains why approaching this as a culture change strategy instead of a program can be key to its success. Thank you for listening. Diversity, inclusion, and equity are really the buzzwords of today. And I think most large organizations have realized the value of embedding this into their culture. But it also sounds like such a monumental task. So I'm curious, where can people start? For example, like what did you do on day one and even over the first few months? It is large. And I think the way you approach embedding diversity, inclusion, and equity depends on what your company or what you as an organization believe it is. I do believe that it starts at the top of the organization. So in Yvonne Hell's case, our president and CEO really wanted us to operationalize our core value of diversity and inclusion. And so as we talked about doing that, we talked about it being a culture change strategy that we were going to leverage in our business versus it being a program. One of the big differences in my experience in my work is that when it's a program, it's a check the box kind of thing. And it goes up when you're committed at that moment and you really have passion about it. And then when that goes away or funding goes away, it's put in a drawer. That's a program. But when it really is a part of who you are and a part of your culture and it's our core value, you have to think of it as differently in, in a much more holistic way. That's interesting. I'm a social worker by profession. I have my MBA, but I'm also a social worker. And in social work, you are taught about systems and systems theory, but you're also taught to start where the client is. And even though I had been with Novon Health for over 20 years, and we had this core value of diversity and inclusion, we weren't really operationalizing it. So I, don't, I didn't really know what people thought about it. So I am embarked upon a listening tour that lasted several months across the organization. I listened to the voices of 700 people. And you can imagine if you're listening to 700 people, that's a lot of listening. It was very methodical in that we had questions that we asked of everyone that we met. And it was people of all levels of authority across the organization. So environmental services, nursing, the executive team, senior leaders, physicians. I did focus groups of people. I did every role in this organization on different shifts to really get an understanding of what diversity and inclusion meant to them. Um, And that was really important as we developed our definitions, because I will tell you, when you say the word diversity, if you leave it to chance in people's heads, usually they're thinking about race and usually black and white only, and sometimes gender. So we had to be really clear and expansive on what diversity meant for Novant Health that encompasses many dimensions of diversity and things that are visible and things that are less visible. And so um, we did that to help with alignment. And then we looked at inclusion. We didn't feel like diversity took it far enough, took the work far enough because diversity without people feeling valued and like they belong, um, you just have diversity and no inclusion. So we also defined inclusion, which means 
that we look at um, each other's differences as strengths so that we can value others, understand others, and respect and care about others. Can you help me understand why this effort is so important to you? Is there a personal anecdote you'd be willing to share or an experience you've had that drives the way you approach your job? I grew up as a military dependent. My father was uh, in the Marine Corps. And so we moved some around the country. And one of the things that I learned, it's one of the best gifts for me um, in my life, I believe helped me to deal with change. And that was, we would go from different bases. And when you are military and go to a base, no one is from the base. So everyone is transplanted in or transferred in. So you actually learn how to live with people with different backgrounds and cultures so that you can make the family work. You can make the, that time on that base really work. So that's kind of been ingrained in me all of my life because that's how I was um, brought up by my mom and dad. So I see people as being valued as human beings. So I do have a real passion about people and I'm living that passion in my work now as the chief diversity inclusion and equity officer. And I lived that passion when I was the leader of two different hospitals and other departments, because I really do believe that we are here. I am here, I should say, to add value to the lives that I, of the people that I touch and serve. And so right now in this role, I see that we are in a healthcare organization. And so that's our business is healthcare. Well, people need healthcare. So it is my job to create an environment where people come to our organization. They want to be here to get their healthcare needs met and that we provide them the remarkable patient experience, but in different ways, in a culturally competent way that we understand their unique needs culturally, their dimensions of diversity and what their unique needs would be or their fears or concerns. And we alleviate those and provide the best care possible. Work with our providers in understanding cultural competency, uh, understanding the medical needs um, that people have from their own perspective, their own culture. You know, years ago, there was not a lot of research done on women that had heart attacks. Most of the research was done on men, was com, performed or completed with men. So when women came in with symptoms of a heart attack, they looked very different. Because we've learned a lot over the years, we now look at different symptoms for women who may be having a heart attack. And so I think that's what we do. That's what my goal is, is that we would look at everyone, yes, as an individual and do things to meet their needs, but also look at populations of people to see if there were any kinds of um, historically marginalized people or populations that we need to make sure that we're putting, a, putting that um, health equity lens on to make sure they receive access to care and the resources and treatments that they need to receive. The word passion is really resonating with me. And I know you're also passionate about having what you refer to as courageous conversations. And this dialogue, I imagine, can be pretty uncomfortable. And it's around topics that maybe 10 or 15 years ago wouldn't have even been approached in the workplace. So can you explain what these courageous conversations are and why you chose this practice as a way of implementing DNI and equity? One of the things that we heard on the listening tour, and the listening tour really did serve as a foundation for every single thing we're doing in Netline Health. One of the things that we heard is that people want to be able to have dialogue in a safe space about topics related to diversity and inclusion. And at one point in Novant Health, we really weren't doing that. I mean, we had that core value, but there was really not a lot of dialogue. 
And so we decided we would start having Zoom chats, um, web chats before Zoom was, was prevalent, but we had uh, web chats and Zoom chats to talk about topics related to diversity, inclusion, and equity. And we did that so that people would have a safe space to be able to share their thoughts and feelings, but not only that, to be able to understand and listen to the perspectives of others. Because we found that was the challenge that people wanted to be able to say what they wanted to say, but they didn't really have the patience to listen and seek understanding of a different perspective. And so these Zoom chats have been wonderful to be able to do that. And we've done them for a variety of things. Carl Armato, our president and CEO, and I have done them together on, on some occasions. But we've had some where people talk to courageous conversations across differences that when you don't agree, how do you have that conversation? So we've had some role playing on the virtual stage, and we've given people tips for knowing how to do that. We've had courageous conversations about the death of George Floyd and what that felt like to team members in Novon Health. And so they were able to share their feelings and thoughts related to that. We've had web chats about you know, this pandemic and the anxiety and fears and concerns that people have had. You don't always take the time to think about the grief that has happened in this year, but through our web chats or Zoom chats, we're able to do that. We're able to really stop and talk about that and provide resources for people through EAP, through spiritual care, um, whatever resources they need through the Office of Diversity, Inclusion, and Equity, we've been able to do that. So our courageous conversations, we were doing them before some of the social injustices that were unraveled in the country. We were doing them before that, and we will continue to do, we were doing that when it happened, and we'll continue to do that. Uh, we've had another one that I'll mention is um, stereotypes and also the multiple, I think there are like five generations in the workforce now that can pose challenges for all the generations. So we've been able to talk about that as well. How can organizations create a culture where people are engaged and empowered to have vulnerable conversations? What could leadership do to foster a culture where people can participate constructively? You have to have an intention. You know, think about what your intention is for the conversations. And there, we actually do do a lot of thinking and planning and what do we really want the audience to hear? How do we really want to engage the audience? So I think that as an organization, you want to first think about what's your intention for the conversation? Is it a one-time conversation? Is it something that's a part of your vision and your strategy to embed diversity, inclusion, and equity? So I think you have to decide what it is first. But after you decide that you are interested in having conversations or courageous conversations across your system or your organization, then I think you come up with a plan to do that and the topics for that. One of the things that when you first started doing this is that Carl Amato and I sent an email out to the team, the whole company, 30,000 people, saying we're going to start this. We're going to start having courageous conversations because we heard you during the listening tour. And so we said in the email that these are not debate sessions and they're not problem solving sessions, but they're sessions for us to hear your voice and for you to hear the voices and experiences and perspectives of others. So from the very beginning, we set the tone for what this was and what it wasn't. And that really has worked, that people have been able to engage. I think with all the Zoom chats that we've done related to diversity, inclusion, and equity, we've had about 13,000 participants 
either actively participating or have gone back and listened to them later or viewed the information later. It's no secret that 2020 was such an emotionally charged year. I know Novant Health publicly came out and supported Black Lives Matter. The organization also publicly stood with Asian Americans following the shootings in Atlanta. How do you approach leadership and get support for these messages that perhaps not everyone agrees with? We have been on this journey of having dialogue about diversity, inclusion, and equity for about five years now. So we've been on a journey together and we don't stop. And I think one of the important things is that you're not going to get it perfectly right the time, the first time, but that doesn't mean you stop and go backwards. You just keep moving, you keep listening, and you keep adjusting and keep tweaking. In terms of Black Lives Matter, it was really a, a natural evolution in our journey for embedding diversity and inclusion. If you really believe in our mission to improve the health of our communities, our vision to deliver on the remarkable patient experience, that means for everyone. So what we look at in our organization is who are the groups of people that are hurting? And in the situation with George Floyd, Black people were hurting. Other people were too, but it was really impacting the Black community. So Black lives do matter. Um, they do. When the Asian group was hurting and there were the killings, uh, shootings in Georgia, Asian people were hurting. I get chills talking about that. So as a healthcare organization, we want everyone to have the best health. And if you have people dying or have people who don't have their needs met, it is our job to take a position on that and to figure out as a healthcare organization, how do we help populations of people? Sometimes it's taking a statement and making a statement. Sometimes is as we've done, we've had Zoom chats with our Asian business resource group, with our African-American business resource groups, all the resource groups together. Sometimes it's doing that. When the Pulse Club shootings happened in Orlando several years ago, we really met with our Pride BRG and, and sent a memo out to the team about the LGBTQ population. So I, I believe you have to go where the people are hurting. And if you're true to who you say you are, then I believe you have to, you, you have to meet those needs at that time. Some of our listeners may not be familiar with that acronym, BRG. Could you just quickly explain what that is? Yeah, thank you for doing that. You know, we use a lot of acronyms. In Novant Health, we call these groups business resource groups. In some organizations, they call them ERGs, employee resource groups, and some organizations will say affinity groups. These are voluntary groups of team members who identify in a particular identity, dimension of diversity. You don't have to identify to be in that group, but these groups, and we call them business resource groups because they help us do several things. Number one, they help us understand our patients. So for example, we have a veterans BRG, we have, a, we have about 14 of them. We have a Black, a Latino, Asian, a women's, um, Native American, 14 BRGs. We have an engaging white men's BRG. So they want, they help us understand the needs of our patients so that we can meet them. They help us understand our team members so they can be better engaged in our organization and caring for our patients and helping us to understand what they need to help be recognized and developed in the organization. They also connect us to our community. We want to be the healthcare provider of choice, and we believe that we are delivering on the remarkable patient experience. So they help us to be their ambassadors in our communities about Novon Health and the health that we are providing. 
And if we don't, aren't providing it in a remarkable way, those groups of people help us understand, the BRGs say, help us understand. For example, the Latino BRG helped us to create our Novon Health website in Espanol. If you look at it, it's very different from the one in English. And we transcreated it, which means we didn't go to Google and translate it. We truly made it meet the needs of the culture, the Latino culture. We actually went to the community and talked to them and said, what would you want to see on a website? And they helped us design the website. They also help us from a business perspective, doing all those things helps us to grow our market share in the company, which ultimately helps us grow our revenue. So they are great groups for us, consult groups on helping us to be the best we can be in many different ways. Thank you for clarifying that. What is your opinion when it comes to the leaders of diversity and inclusion in large companies? Are there greater opportunities to have an authentic voice at the table when people of color or minorities are leading this work? I do think there's a great opportunity to have the chief diversity inclusion, in my case, an equity officer's voice at the table. Our president and CEO was really very visionary in that. When I first started in this role, I was a senior vice president. And what he said was, you know, I think you can be a bigger influence and do what you've done for your hospitals that you've been over with working closely with me on the executive team. And he was right. And I think that's happening in the country. More chief diversity inclusion officers are at the table at the executive team level. And that really has made a big difference for us. So I think if Carl were here and our other executive team members, they would say the same thing because I'm at the table when we're making decisions when we're having dialogue about decisions or behaviors of the organization, behaviors of people, I am at the table helping to influence some of that. I'm not the only one at the table doing that. All of us are, but I'll have a voice at the table looking at our organization in totality with that diversity and inclusion and equity lens. More and more organizations are doing that. I have found that, and I said this to Carl when I took the role, that if the chief diversity inclusion equity officer is too far down in the organization, it's hard to get their voices heard. And if you really are serious about this and you're committed to embedding diversity, inclusion, and equity, you really have to raise the level of that person to the, to where their voice can be heard, where decisions are being made. It's a great point. As you know, Novant Health recently acquired New Hanover Regional Medical Center, also referred to as NHRMC, but with 700 beds on its main campus in Wilmington, NHRMC is now the second biggest hospital in the Novant Health system, and it also serves a total of seven counties, making it the primary location for emergency and specialized services for people in rural North Carolina counties. What is the strategy to expand awareness and understanding in communities that may not have the same culture that we experience? We are working very closely with our new team members at New Hanover Regional Medical Center. It's been a wonderful thing. They've really embraced where we are on our journey in Novon Health as it relates to diversity, inclusion, and equity. And so our first step, we're starting a listening tour there in this space. We are doing a listening tour with the team members, and at the same time, we're doing a listening tour with the community at large, because there's a lot of history, a lot of things are in the ground, and the, the massacre in 1898 is still in the ground in Wilmington. And so we are doing a listening tour with the community members 
to understand where they see New Hanover Regional Medical Center's role in the community as it relates to health equity, as it relates to diversity and inclusion. We want to hear all of their voices. And it's been really exciting. So many people have already signed up for the listening tour. And so we will be listening to their voices. We have questions to ask them that will help us build a strategic plan for that area to embed diversity, inclusion, and equity. That's great. What opportunities do healthcare workers have to consider health equity or use this lens in their everyday work? Every opportunity, which is part of a change in culture. One of the things that you're, if you talk to people in Novant Health, when we look at data, you'll hear them talking about, well, did we put the health equity lens on it? Did we look at the real gaps? It's really easy to say my satisfaction scores are this or my quality scores are this, but really you don't know what they are until you apply the real gaps lens. The American Hospital coined the term real, and I'll tell you what that means. We added the gaps portion to it because we're expanding our, our um, knowledge in the space. But real stands for looking at your data by race, ethnicity, and language. And then the gaps pieces, gender, age, payer, sexual orientation, and gender identity. So you'll hear people talking about that. People want to see what the real gaps lens looks like for the data. And team members are beginning to say that as well. Team members are also beginning to see their patients and if they're from a different background or different culture, to ask them questions on how can we have, make this a better experience for you? Are there any particular beliefs that we need to know about so that we can meet your needs and provide care? So we're seeing people really start talking about the lens and placing the lens on all of the work that we do. Is there anything else that you'd like to add? I would say that the key to embedding diversity and inclusion is not perfection. It's really progress. I found a lot of leaders have to decide, CEOs, it can be one or the other, or it can be both. And for us, it's both. Is it about your mission or is it good for your business? And for us, they go hand in hand. Our mission is good for our business and diversity, inclusion, equity is good for our business. So I would really encourage people to think about the why. Why now would they want to embed diversity, inclusion? And I think if you can answer the why, it will help you get to the plan or the interventions that you want. Fantastic. Well, thank you so much. I really enjoyed our chat. Oh, thank you. Gina DiPietro again. Some really interesting ideas there from Tanya Blackman, Novant Health Executive Vice President and Chief Diversity, Inclusion and Equity Officer. Bottom line, diversity is not black and white. It's a whole host of things that make up a person, both seen and unseen. Thank you for listening to this episode of Industry Insights. If you enjoyed this podcast, please take a moment to rate and review it and subscribe to this and all the Novant Health podcasts. We post new episodes all the time. Most are just 15 minutes.